Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch, where we continue the series on the four daily rituals, the five daily habits, and the six life hacks that will put you in conscious control of your thoughts, feelings, and actions each and every day. Now, this series started with episode 99, published on 22nd of July of this year, called Is Reliance on Motivation Ruining Your Life? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against getting motivated, but my team and I at a higher branch, Success Academy, believe that motivation is good for kickstarting a new goal or a transformative change in life, but we believe more in systems for sticking with it, in systems for constancy in daily living. Systems keep you going when motivation fails for whatever reason. You know, we wake up with a bad headache or we didn't have a good sleep, whatever the case may be. And I believe in this system because I personally live by it. And since November 2010, the framework has upgraded the lives of thousands of people worldwide. So today's episode is episode 11 in a series of 15 episodes on this 456 life system. Now we have already covered the four daily rituals in episode 100 to 103 and that covered the daily rituals of movement, meditation, journaling and learning. And please don't let just those words those titles of movement, meditation, journaling and learning be an oversimplification of what is in those episodes. The four daily rituals are absolutely essential to everyone that walks this planet to have as a foundation for the five habits that you need to cultivate daily, the ones that I covered in episodes 104 through to 109. They were the habit of smiling, the habit of situational gratitude, the habit of greetings and goodbyes, the one secret habit to a good posture, and the habit that stops negative self-talk. And that was the habit of review and reflection. Now, last week, we covered the first of the six life hacks. It was the detox life hack where I shared our academy's morning five ultimate detox. It was a very popular episode. And thank you for all the new listeners who have been emailing myself and my team in the last few days asking questions about that. And if after this episode, any of you have questions or insights, please don't hesitate to uh, email myself and the team inquiries with an E at a higherbranch.com. We all receive that email and I certainly read them and I, I love the feedback that I get from all our community. So today we're going to cover the second life hack and it is all about eating hacks for optimal absorption. Now I'm going to go deep into this area and I'm going to share with you life hacks on what to eat, how to eat, when to eat and how much to eat. I will also share with you the foods that make you angry. Yes, there are certain foods that make you angry because they make your gut inflamed. And whatever's inflamed in the gut, because the gut is the feeling brain, just like we have the mind, which is the thinking brain, the gut is the feeling brain. If you make the gut angry, it's going to be reflected in your character. I'm also going to share with you the three tests everyone can do to discover their bio-individuality. And that's a word that you're going to be hearing a lot 
not just in today's episode, but I have an amazing episode coming up, a three-part series recorded with Luke Katinho from India, who is an absolute master in this area. And stay tuned for that. I was really excited producing that podcast and I can't wait to share it with you. I certainly learned a lot and I'm an avid researcher and Luke taught me so much more than what I know. Uh, The last thing I'm going to share with you is the one bad eating habit that you need to get rid of. And a lot of us do this. So today is a short and sweet episode filled with what I will say is gut-changing tips that will boost your energy and immunity and your mental clarity. I know this and I can make that promise because, as I said, I live by these life hacks and that's exactly what I experience on a daily basis. Now, just because it's uh, short and sweet today, I'm also going to share with you at the back end a bonus 20 tips to live a great life and develop a great character that everyone in your life will love. Okay, let's kick it off as we focus on the life hack for healthy eating. Actually, before I do, I want to also make this very important point that eating healthy can be unhealthy, especially when you focus too much on what to eat. Now, today I'm going to cover what to eat, but the more important aspect is when to eat, how much to eat, and the ultra important how to eat. And the more you listen to that, the more you'll know why these things are more important than what you eat. Now, I'm not against you know, healthy eating, but I'm also against an obsession with diets and labels. Your emotional well-being is much more important to your overall health than what you eat. Yes, food is medicine at the cellular physical level, but sunshine, sleep, socializing and fulfillment is a much more potent medicine on the emotional level. Furthermore, the focus on what to eat is a one-dimensional view of healthy eating. You know, eating is a process that starts with what you buy, how you store, how you cook, how you combine, when you eat, how much you eat, and your mental state when you eat. And this process can break down anywhere along this value chain. So a lot of people make the mistake of buying the right things of what to eat, but the rest of the process is broken down and they're not actually absorbing what they eat. The process is only complete when you absorb what you eat. So the following eating hacks I'm going to share with you will provide the real answer to eating healthy, healthy in inverted commas, healthy on the emotional, mental, not just the physical level. And they reflected the fact that our diet changes in a 24-hour cycle and in an annual cycle of spring, summer, autumn, winter. So being paleo, keto or vegan is not really an accurate label to put on yourself. You need to live in tune to the natural cycles of the earth. This seasonal living is the single most important principle to healthy eating and healthy living. The seasons affect us at a physical and emotional level. For example, we feel different in winter compared to summer. We want stillness and crave more comfort foods in winter, soups, you know, versus salads in summer. You know, summer is different. It's about relaxing. Autumn is about review, reflection and taking stock of our lives, and spring is about growth. Now, there is a reason for this. The more we mirror nature and adapt to these cycles, the healthier we will be, period. So let's start with when to eat. My number one tip here is eat in a window of 8 to 12 hours, preferably during daylight hours. 
Some people, in fact, condense that time period to four hours. Some people just have one meal a day. But you need to figure out what works best for you. One person's one meal a day can be a huge stress for you. But the optimal window is eight to 12 hours of eating. I do eight hours of eating throughout the day. And I don't eat for 16 hours Obviously, those hours include when I'm sleeping, and I'll talk more about that later. Okay, number two, eat after exercise. Exercise expends the glucose in your cells, so they are ready to take in more glucose. If your cells are overloaded with glucose, they will store that as excess fat. In fact, I would rate this as the number one eating hack when it comes to when to eat, how much to eat, how to eat, and what to eat. It makes sense when you think about it because as humans evolved, we hunted and gathered before we ate. So this hunting and gathering was essentially our movement. It was our exercise. And it primes our body for absorption and digestion because exercise puts us in that state of rest and digest. That's why I only eat after exercise. Even a simple walk before eating primes your digestion. And that's what I do in the office. So, because a lot of people are listening to this thinking, well, what happens if I'm in the office or, you know, even now, look, we're working from home, but we're still in the home office. I can assure you, I always take with me a set of sneakers to the office. And before I will eat my lunch, doesn't matter how small, I go for a walk, a brisk walk, even if it's a 10 minute walk. It primes your body. It triggers a primal switch, which says to the body, hey, you're expending energy, use up the glucose and get ready for the intake of food. Makes perfect sense. Okay, number three of when to eat is eat out in sunshine or even better, nature. It's why I love when I'm in the the city uh, for meetings, I love seeing people at Hyde Park sitting on the grass eating their lunch. Absolutely perfect because there is uh, strong research which shows that the sun on your skin and eyes produces leptin cells. And these are important in regulating how much you eat, which I'm going to talk about. They are the on-off button, if you like, for your hunger. And they get triggered when you eat out in sunlight. When you eat out in sunlight, there is a direct neuropathway from the sun that directly and indirectly is absorbed through the eyes to the pineal gland down the vagus nerve into your gut which stimulates great gut bacteria and prepares the gut for food so you have all the right enzymes the right bacteria in your gut ready to digest and absorb the food now i'm going to digress a little bit and tell you about this study called the african village study where a group of scientists went into an uh, African village where the people there ate in sunshine at night. They didn't eat. They basically went to bed when the sun went down and they ate pretty much a primal diet, one that they have been eating for you know hundreds of thousands of years. Over the next six to eight weeks, so the scientists first took samples to have a look at their gut health, took blood test results, did a happiness survey to see if they were happy, and I mean, these people are always smiling. They were in good shape. They have lots of energy. They slept in peace. Over the next few weeks, they gave them a lot of junk food in conjunction with their proper diet, with their native diet. 
And then after eight weeks of them eating all this junk food, they then took all uh, samples for their gut health, blood tests. They measured their, their happiness and their energy levels. And to their surprise, the impact of the junk food on their gut health was zero. It did not impact. They weren't expecting this result. They were expecting to prove that, hey, junk food ruins your gut. And so what they figured out was that because this tribe ate out during sunshine and they did not eat after dark, they realized that it is sun that regulates your gut health more than anything, more than food, more than prebiotics, probiotics, herbal supplements. So the best thing that you can do for when to eat and eating healthy is this beautiful life hack of eating out in sunshine. Okay, the fourth tip on uh, when to eat is don't eat heavy meals after the sun goes down. And it's really, you know, a segue from the third tip I just shared with you. If you cannot sleep because you are hungry, and I know a lot of people get home late and they think, well, I need to eat and it's dark and it's eight o'clock and I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock, but I need to eat something. Then eat very light, low fat and low sugar foods. Now, for me, I eat things like papaya or berries and a small handful of activated nuts and seeds, enough just to quell that hunger. And sometimes I might just have some oats. Yes, oats. Yes, carbs is not uh, an evil to have at night. And I'm going to talk about that a little later. Okay, so they're the four tips on when to eat. Now let's talk about how to eat. I'm going to share with you five tips here. Number one is you are not what you eat but rather what you digest. Therefore, you need to relax before you eat. Eating in a relaxed state will help you absorb more nutrients, 100%. Now, if you are stressed, I guarantee the research shows all food becomes toxic in your body. Exercise will generally put you in a relaxed state, but if you are stressed, you need to also sometimes, exercise may not be enough and you need to meditate or do deep breathing exercises before you eat to switch on your rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. And if that is still not enough and something is still bothering you, it could be hurt feelings or you're worried about something, then you need to go to your journal and start processing those feelings. The way to do that is listen to my podcast on 22nd of September titled Learn the Habit That Stops Negative Self-Talk. And also listen to the podcast on journaling. And that was dated 12th of August and it was titled The Number One Reason for My Success in Life. Okay, number two on how to eat is don't eat alone, but don't have intense discussions when you eat. I say don't eat alone because there's a lot of research which says that if you are having a happy conversation and eating with people that you love, people who bring you, you know, fun, you know, having jokes and eating out in sunshine. That's why I like barbecues outdoors and picnics are awesome. You actually digest the food better. But I want to qualify that tip by saying don't have intense conversations when you eat because it's better you don't eat at all during a heated argument or a discussion. I promise you, you're not going to digest the food. That's why this is an important tip on how to eat. You need to make sure that if you've spent time exercising, then meditating, maybe even journaling to get rid of any worries or hurt feelings, and then you're in a complete state of rest and digest, don't just ruin it then by sitting down and having a heated discussion about something. Now, if you have something that's bothering you, that's going over and over in your, your head, don't pick 
the meal time as a time to go through those things. Schedule a meeting, just like you would in the office, schedule a meeting with your family or your kids or your friend or whoever it is that you're sharing a meal with. And as I said, it's better you don't eat at all if you end up having a heated uh, discussion at the dining table. You know, going hungry will not hurt you. It's actually better you don't eat food, even if it's the best organic food on the planet, it will be toxic in your body if you're not in a state of rest and digest. Okay, number three tip on how to eat. Be mindful when you are eating. So, so important. This was a game changer for me. So don't watch TV or scroll devices while you eat. You are disrupting the connection between your sense of sight, smell, sound, touch and taste with the food. Now, when you engage with your food, Research shows that the brain sends a signal to your body to release the right enzyme spectrum to digest the food you are eating. That's phenomenal. Your eyes, for example, pick up on the different colors and each color sends a different message from the brain to the gut to produce certain enzymes. Conversely, when you are not engaged with your food, you're not going to digest your food efficiently. You need to pay attention to what you eat. Now, if you are eating with people, you can do both because when you are having happy conversations, you need to make sure that you check in with your food and you look down at your food every now and then just to notice the textures, the smells, and even the sounds and the colors, of course. Now, my sub tip to this is also take small bites when you first begin the meal. I find that small bites introduce your taste buds slowly to the food that you're eating it also allows you to pick up on all the little flavors whilst you're eating and it will increase your sense of smell it will increase your sense of taste okay let's look at tip number four rest after you eat the process of eating has not finished until the nutrients have been absorbed so it is important that you stay relaxed and rest after a meal That is when most of your absorption occurs. So don't just finish a meal and then have a heated discussion. Don't just finish a meal and do exercise. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say that there's research showing that it's good to go for a walk after a meal. I disagree. I think you need to rest. And I got this tip from a naturopath many years ago. And she, in fact, taught me a really good life eating hack And I was going through a period where under a lot of stress, it was just after the global financial crisis, and I couldn't absorb my food. And I was meditating, I was doing a lot of things. And one particular tip she shared with me, she said, most people when they eat and they rest, they're either sitting or lying down, which means the back part of the wall of the stomach is absorbing the nutrients. But a lot of us ignore the front part of the stomach. So she got me to uh, lie down on my stomach after a meal and sure enough my absorption of food absolutely improved so what a great little tip there and geez i wish i could remember the name of that uh, naturopath it was many many years ago anyway i digress okay tip number four on how to eat if you are in a state where you are hangry in other words that you are so hungry that you're stressed and a lot of us get into that because our blood sugar drops And this is uh, individual. Some people don't get hangry, others do. My tip here is eat something light first. Don't sit down and eat a big meal when you're hangry because you're not in a state of rest and digest. So what I do is I go for a walk or I might do a short burst of exercise 
or I meditate or I write in my journal or I do some deep breathing. And then and only then do I sit down and actually eat the main meal. But as I said, I eat something light first before I do those things just to quell that hunger, just to take the edge of that stress. And it would be something light. Like I said earlier, it could be just some papaya or a small handful of nuts. Okay, so they're the five tips on how to eat. Now let's talk about how much to eat. And I have one simple rule here, and that is do not overeat. <laughs> okay, uh, and this is the big question mark is like, how do you define what overeating is? But before I get onto that, I want to explain why this is important. Because there is a tipping point where the fuel you get from eating is cancelled out by the energy it takes for you to burn in digesting that food. Does that make sense? So it's simple maths. So you get energy from food and then you expend energy from digesting that food. If it takes more energy to digest, you're going to have an energy crash after your meal. It's really that simple. And overeating also taxes your organs and temporarily surges cholesterol and lipid proteins. And that's been proven time and time again in research. You know, most arteriosclerosis happens immediately after a big heavy fatty meal especially if it's a heavy fatty meal at night okay so how much do you eat well there's people that say that you know stop eating when you're you know feel like you're 80 percent full now some of us don't know what 80 percent full feels like i certainly don't if it's really good food and you know i'm blessed with a partner who loves cooking and she is an amazing cook and I will eat everything on my plate, right? Because my parents are baby boomers and we were taught to eat everything on our plate. So if you load my plate, I'm going to eat all of it. So the skill is not in figuring out when you're 80% full. The tip here is to make sure that you have a plate that is 80% of what you would normally eat. And that's the only way to determine how much to eat. And because then when your plate is empty, if you want more food after that, you need to stop and tell yourself and be mindful of the fact that, hey, you are now at the point where you're overeating. You see, the, the empty plate becomes the trigger. And if you go back and listen to those previous episodes where I teach a situational awareness of your feelings, that will help you be mindful of the fact that you are now going to overeat because you are going back to fill your plate. And that is a really strong trigger for you to say, hey, I'm going to overeat. Okay, I hope I've explained that last tip well enough for you to understand. Okay, let's talk about the last five sub-life hacks about eating, and that is what to eat. And here are my five tips. Number one is eat more protein in winter. We are generally less active in winter, and so we need to eat less carbs. And eating more protein curbs your appetite for carbs. Okay, number two is eat more carbs in summer. This is why early on in this episode, I said that a seasonal eating is the most important eating life hack that you can actually learn because it needs to be different for the seasons and needs to be different for the time of day. So eat more carbs in summer. Now, nature produces fruits higher in sugar carbs in summer for a reason. Why is it that all the best fruits that we know and love, like mangoes, pineapple, these are really you know, high sugar carbs? It's because we are more active in summer. We're out there you know, 
at the beach, we're out cycling, we're out jogging, we're out playing the sport. And, and then we need more fuel. And nature tells us, hey, you're going to need more fuel because you're more active in the summer months. And here are these amazing, you know, high sugar fruits. That's why I don't like to demonize certain fruits and say, oh, that's a high sugar f- uh, fruit. I've heard someone say, oh, an apple. Don't eat apples because they're high in sugar. Seriously? An apple that grows on a tree. Now, there are some apples that have been hybridized that are too sweet, but seek out the ones that haven't. Okay, the third tip on what to eat is to eat more carbs at night. Now, with a qualification, I'm going to explain this. Now, if you've had a stressful day and feel like you have been running on adrenaline all day, then eat more of your carbs as the last meal of the day. And this is a hack, not just for summer, but also in winter. And it doesn't contradict what I said earlier about eating less carbs uh, at night in winter. I'll explain in a second. Because whilst eating more carbs at night may not be good for your waistline, it is better for your mental health because carbs make you sleepy. And what did I say at the outset? Your emotional and mental health is far more important to take care of than being attached religiously to certain diets and exercises. And even if you are eating carbs at night, make it clean. Slow-burning carbs from vegetables such as sweet potato, pumpkin, and low-sugar fruits, they may be carbs, but they're clean carbs and they burn for longer. And it will neutralize a lot of that stress at night. And a better night's sleep is so much better for you you know, than taking care of your waistline because you're eating carbs at night. And as I said, even in winter. Okay, fourth tip on what to eat is eat fruits and vegetables in season. Even meats and fish are seasonal. There is fish that is seasonal. There are meats that are in seasonal. Have you ever heard of spring lamb now, or Murray cod? So I want you to know that fruits and vegetables are not the only things in season. But if you are a person that eats meat and fish, they are also seasonal and just Google it and you'll figure out what is in season and stick to that because our body needs different nutrients at different times of the year. Why do certain fish migrate on the east coast of Australia at that certain time of the year, whether it's spring or summer? There's a reason for that. Ours is not to always have research to back it up. You know, science is many years behind what it is ancient wisdom and researchers like Mark Bunn in his book, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Health uh, is a perfect example of how nature is intelligent and we should just trust in that intelligence and not always. I mean, I love research and science, but sometimes it's intuitive, isn't it? When you think, well, a blueberry grows at this time of the year, there must be something in it for us that we need this time of the year. Okay, the number five tip on what to eat, and it's really something that you should kickstart your eating and I swear by this and my friends absolutely cringe when they see me doing it but I chew fresh ginger 15 minutes or so before a meal now for some people apple cider vinegar works well as well because they stimulate enzymes in your system and these will help you digest your food and absorb the nutrients Uh, so it's also a really good hack because sometimes when I overeat I know I'm going to overeat having ginger before the meal and having ginger straight after it and just the act of the chewing the ginger and that's why some people chew gum after a meal because it helps you digest your food 
So it's a great little hack, especially when you feel like you've overeaten somewhere. And it's usually around this time of the year, Christmas, barbecues. It's so easy to overeat. Uh, when you're socializing with friends. But hey, once in a while, we need to experience that food coma where we just lay on the grass and have a nap after an amazing meal because it feeds the soul. Okay, so that's my eating life hacks. Now, before I go on, I want to talk to you about avoiding the foods that make you angry. Because whilst this is not a life hack, it is important to be reminded of these foods. Now, science in the last few years has discovered that your mind is your thinking brain, as I said earlier, and your gut is your feeling brain. And we all know that your feelings are much more powerful than your thoughts, right? You know, try thinking your way out of anger or fear or anxiety. You just can't do it. Your thoughts are no match for your feelings. And researchers have also discovered that people are getting more serious and angrier than any time in history. And you only need to go on social media to see some of the angry comments when it comes to things like, you know, the COVID vaccine or veganism or whatever the political persuasion is. And the research shows that people are quicker to get angry these days. And that's not surprising because we are doing everything faster than ever before. So why not get angry faster, right? We're driving fast. We're rushing here and there faster. We've got fast emails, you know, fast phone calls and fast or quick to get angry. So the big question is, what is causing all this anger? Now, one answer is, as I said, the pace of life, which is a very good reason for a lot of stress in life. And Carl Honoré has been on this podcast in the past talking about this. And of course, he's known as the godfather of slow with amazing books like In Praise of Slow. But the other answer is the food you eat. More specifically, the impact food has on your feeling gut brain. Now, I've put together the following list of foods known to make you angry because they cause an inflammatory response in your gut. And this, in turn, inflames your emotion and makes you, well, an angry person, right? So here are the four food to be avoided by everyone, okay? These are four, four food groups, really. Number one is oil. Foods fried in industrial vegetable oils will make your gut angry. It's going to inflame your gut. Number two, to no surprise, sugar. Stuff like soft drinks, fruit juices, pastries, cookies, cakes, that is going to inflame your gut and make you angry. Now, if sometimes you choose to have a piece of cake at a party, hell, you know, we need to do that sometimes. That's okay. But recognize that you might get an inflamed gut after that and you might start getting a little bit angry. But from all the other life hacks that I've been sharing with you and the the habits and the daily rituals, I, I think you can overcome those once in a while indulgences in, you know, chocolate cakes, which is, you know, my personal vice. <laughs> but at least you are aware of it. You're making that conscious decision. What you don't want is to eat foods that make you angry, get angry and not realize the reason for that anger. Okay, the third food group is flour. I'm talking about refined starchy foods like pasta, pizza, white bread. Now, who doesn't love a pizza? But I'll tell you billions of bacteria that don't <laughs> like pizza. And that is your gut. Your gut does not like pizza. It does not like white bread or pasta. Anything that's refined starchy foods. And, you know, even some gluten-free breads that are filled with nightshades like potato and high oxalates like, you know, teff flour and stuff like that. Just because it's gluten-free doesn't make it healthy and it'll you know, make your gut angry. 
And the fourth food group is anything artificial, artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, nitrates, MSG. They will make your gut angry. Okay, so those four food groups everyone probably knew about. Now I'm going to take you through the foods to be avoided by some. Now see, these foods I'm going to go through with you will actually inflame your gut and make you angry. But it's not for everyone. It's only some people that will be impacted by these foods. And others will say, heck, I have that and it's fine with me. In fact, I feel great after it. So I'm going to go through them. And so these are not foods that everyone should avoid. These are foods that some people need to avoid, uh, people that are sensitive to them. Number one is caffeine, coffee, black tea, and even green tea. Everyone says green tea is healthy. Not for everyone. In fact, green tea is not good for me. And I've done tests to show that. Number two, alcohol, beer, wine, spirits, anything with alcohol in it is a toxin. Forget about this rubbish research which says, oh, you know, a glass of red wine a day is uh, good for your health. Rubbish, absolute rubbish. Alcohol is a toxin. And if you want to have alcohol every now and then, and I do, it's fine. At least be conscious of the fact that you are, you know, having a treat and it might make your gut angry. And for some people, it doesn't. You know, I have friends who will knock down five shots of tequila and they're fine, right? But there are other people, it'll wipe them out for a few days. So if you are sensitive to alcohol, you need to avoid it. And if you don't avoid it, then at least have a backup plan of how you're going to manage your symptoms after that. It's as simple as that. The next food is dairy, milk, cheese, yogurt. For some people, highly sensitive. And this is one that's going to devastate a few people is there are certain psychoactive stimulants that will make you angry. And I'm talking about chocolate here. And for some people, carob. Now, I love dark chocolate, but I go through periods where dark chocolate will inflame my gut. And it comes back again to seasons, time of day, what you ate before it. Get to know yourself. Get to know thyself, how you feel. Chocolate at one part of the day makes me feel good. At another time of the day, like at night, is highly inflammatory. Next is gluten. If you are sensitive to gluten, most grains, especially wheat, is going to have gluten. You need to stay away from it. If you are sensitive to lectins, most beans, lentils, soy, corn, cashews, peanuts, high in lectins. They're going to make your gut angry. If you are sensitive to the nightshade family, tomatoes, eggplant, potatoes, and even goji berries will inflame your gut. If you are sensitive to certain foods that cause a histamine response, such as eggs, kombucha, you know, fermented foods, and even avocado. Yes, avocado. I coached someone a few years back who was going on a health kick because we started doing some coaching and she started uh, a new diet and she was eating a lot of you know, smashed avocado and gluten-free toast and drinking kombucha all day, started getting rashes. When I found out, I said, that's a histamine response. What are you eating? She told me what the foods she was eating. She got tested and sure enough, it was a histamine response that was making her gut angry. Okay, so now that we've identified these suspects' foods, what do you do? Okay, and I just said with that client that I coached that, you know, we did some tests. And I'm going to go through those three essential tests that you can do in a minute. But I want to finish by saying the first list of foods is easy to identify and avoid. You know, those foods that I mentioned, um, you know, oil, sugar, flour, and anything artificial. Okay, it's the second list. That's the more sinister list. Unless you know your sensitivity, you will never know what is affecting your gut and therefore your emotions. And you might think, geez, I'm emotional, I'm moody, I'm angry. 
what's going on here, right? And you might say, well, it's a stress from work or it's a stress from my partner, when in fact you're just having foods that are suspect for you that are sensitive and you need to rule it out. And ultimately, you're never going to be in control of your life and your performance at work, especially if you don't identify these suspect foods and eliminate them. Okay, so let's talk about the three essential tests and how do you discover your sensitivity? Well, there is in fact two ways before I go through the three essential tests. One way is by having a sense of awareness and journaling how you feel after you eat certain foods in isolation. So basically keeping a food log and you know eliminating a lot of foods, then introducing them one at a time, seeing how you feel. And that can take a long process. If you want a shortcut, the second and quickest way is to do these three tests. And we live in an age where biometric testing is accessible for everyone. Don't try and second guess what is healthy for your own unique cells. As I said, avocado is not healthy for everyone, nor is kombucha, nor is coffee or eggs or goji berries or whatever is the latest craze, right? Or whatever is deemed to be a superfood. And conversely, eating gluten or dairy or meat is not bad for everyone either. So please don't buy into fad diets and follow health evangelists, I call them, right? By getting tested, you will find out what foods should be avoided for your genetic type, for your bio-individuality. And those three tests are a blood test, a hair mineral analysis, and a gut microbiome test. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of those because it's outside the scope of what we're talking about. And plus, I'm not a qualified health practitioner. But I do recommend people like Alessandra Edwards in Melbourne, Anthea Kalouris in Sydney. There's also the team at MTHFR Support in Sydney. They're an amazing team of naturopaths. And Amanda at Darling Health, who is in Leichhardt and Byron Bay. And they're all great practitioners who can help you discover your bio-individuality. And as I said, I have a three-part podcast series coming up with Luca Tinho from India about this very topic, and that is going to educate you on this topic like never before. I, I learned so much from this gentleman. Okay, next, I want to talk about the one bad food habit you need to stop doing, and that is snacking on food all day. Your body has an intelligence where it naturally heals itself and constantly regenerates and repairs, not just when you are sleeping, but also when you go hungry. Remember what I said earlier, sometimes you will make that conscious decision to have a glass of wine or a beer or a tequila shot or that piece of chocolate cake or the pizza and beer whilst watching the footy. But the best hack that you can adopt to actually reverse that inflammation is letting your body go hungry. If you are constantly snacking, you never allow your body to enter this state. Scientists are discovering more and more that our bodies are not genetically designed to continuously eat. We need to go hungry. And that has been our way of life for thousands of years. And even going back as recent as 50 to 80 years. I remember growing up in the village at the base of Mount Lebanon. You know, it was a village of only a couple of hundred people. And they continuously went hungry throughout the day as they toiled the fields or did their thing. They ate, they rested, and then they went out and hunted and gathered, if you like, right? But in between that, they went hungry often. And I remember going hungry. And I can assure you that... Going hungry and allowing your body to hit that reset button 
and then finally sitting down to a meal in a relaxed state was sheer joy. Food and flavors were enhanced by the feeling of being hungry. Now today we call that fasting, right? And there's been lots of books written on fasting, lots of podcasts, and I've listened to a lot of them. But I just want to call it going hungry because when you talk about fasting like it is some sort of secret life hack, it gives it that level of importance or makes it something that is unnatural. It makes it seem like you're doing something super special, but you're not because going hungry is part of our natural evolution. Now, let me explain that a little bit further. We have a primal switch to consume food when it is available. The problem is that food is available everywhere at any time. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I love my food experiences, and I'm not saying abstain from food, but allow yourself to go hungry by not eating between meals. That's all. You should allow three to five hours between each meal, depending on how large the previous meal was. And instead of really setting a time period like three to five hours, it's best to not eat until you actually feel the hunger in your stomach. Therefore, don't snack between meals. Allow yourself to go hungry before eating your next meal or snack. Going hungry means your body has processed the last meal. Now, how long it takes also depends on your activity level. The more active you are, the quicker you will go hungry. Simple. Okay, so that's my tips on eating hacks. Now, I want to finish this week's episode by sharing 20 fast tips to be a great person. In fact, I think I'll try and finish all my future episodes with a list like this because it's nice to be reminded sometimes. Okay, so I'm going to roll these out, uh, 20 fast tips in quick succession. Number one, be on time or better still, be 10 minutes early. Number two, be a celebrator of other people's achievements. Number three, finish what you start. Number four, dedicate one Sunday every season with no phone, no TV or no noise. Number five, don't just watch what you eat, watch what you see and hear. You cannot reverse, you can detox what you eat, but you cannot detox the brain from what it sees and what it hears. It might take many years of meditation to unsee something. Uh, So that's why I only watch uh, comedies and rom-coms, right? Uh, Number six, cook at home. Number seven, go to bed early. Number eight, make the choice to let go of your past. It's dusty history that pollutes your future. Number nine, do 10 more reps. Number 10, put your partner first. Number 11, apologize quickly. Number 12, forgive quickly. Number 13, listen more. Number 14, make the first move. Number 15, send the people you love a beautiful text every now and then, telling them what you love and admire about them. Number 16, keep your promises no matter how small they are, especially to your kids. Number 17, always speak the truth, no matter the circumstances. Number 18, focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Number 19, Don't just consume, create. Number 20, and this is one that I love and love to be reminded of, is spend less, work less, and that will allow you to live more. Okay, so that's this week's quick tips for greatness. And I will try and finish every episode with some quick tips, even if it's one, two, three, or 20. And you will notice that these tips do not require you to do anything earth-shatteringly important. I'm not suggesting anything 
that requires you to have some special intelligence or talent or skill. It's the ordinary small stuff that over time makes you extraordinary. It strikes me daily how little a role intelligence plays in our individual success. Don't get me wrong, I work daily on my knowledge and pushing myself to read and create, as I'm sure you do, but that is not enough, not at all. Likewise, when it comes to eating healthy, you will notice that the life hacks that I have shared do not require to treat eating as a religion, as I have seen some people do. I have learned that things such as intelligence or religious eating or religious exercising are not the things that makes us a successful human being but rather how we love, how we parent, how we play, how we sleep, what we focus on, the choices we make, who we spend time with, how we work, how we forgive, how we process fear, anger, rejection or failure. All these are much more important in crafting the life you want to be in love with. So I hope that what I shared with you today and on this podcast every week is helping you do just that. As I said, I always produce my content with the utmost love and respect for the life you want to craft. And if ever you want to share an insight with me or my team, you're more than welcome to email us at inquiries at a higher branch. Okay, thank you for listening. Now, before I go, I want to give a special thanks to my podcast producer, Pete Thack, for believing in me and consistently producing an excellent podcast every week. I couldn't do it without her. Thank you, Pete. And I know you're listening to this right now, feeling weird about this. Thank you. And I probably don't tell you enough how much I appreciate what you do for me. Okay. And as always, don't forget to live consciously, my friends. Everything I ever present to you is aimed at doing just that. Helping you take control of your thoughts feelings and your actions.